Well, shall we proceed with uh, our Dhamma Seva of remembering and discussing the Holy Dhamma? Okay, I'm continuing <laughs> uh, with uh, the book of uh, of Shivaram Swami Maharaj, and we're going rather gradually. Last week we had this uh, very nice initiation uh, ceremony of uh, Amrita Taruni, and. Uh, it's quite possible that next week, Saturday, we'll have another initiation. Um, we have to see whether we're going to do that on Saturday or that'll be a separate thing. So we have been discussing the five types of dhammas, and the last of these uh, we may remember is the dhamma manifested by great devotees. And a little review, uh, the question arises, can or does a devotee ever establish the Dhamma in a specific place by conscious effort? And Shivaram Swami says the answer is yes. <clears throat> um, and then he makes a, an analogy or a comparison just as a devotee can consciously and intentionally give bhakti uh, to another person. In other words, a devotee can preach and inspire others to take up uh, Krishna consciousness. Uh, in the same way, a devotee can establish a place as a holy place. Uh, he refers to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Madhurya Kadambini, quoting here, he says, accepting subservience to his devotee, the Lord grants him the power um, to bestow the Lord's own mercy, Sva Kripa Shakti, giving preeminence to the devotee. So, uh, He's identifying a specific shakti of Krishna, Krishna having unlimited potencies, generally divided into three, his svarupa shakti or antaryami, antaranga shakti, his tatasta shakti, his vahiranga shakti. The antaranga shakti, sometimes called svarupa shakti, and as part of that shakti or one aspect of that uh, Swarupa Shakti is his Svakripa Shakti, his own mercy energy or Shakti, and the Lord can grant that. He can empower his devotee to exercise that uh, Shakti. And in this way, the devotee, sorry, in this way, Krishna is um, putting the devotee in the place of prominence rather than himself. Uh, and of course, we understand uh, Lord Nityananda in particular is uh, put in a place of preeminence as being even more merciful 
than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, especially with respect to Jagai and Madai. Um, and we discussed about uh, the uh, very interesting case of initiation of uh, Vasudeva and Devaki, in which um, Vasudeva, by meditation, impregnates Devaki's heart uh, with the with the Lord. Um, and we continued on with this to uh, where Shivaramaraj refers to Srila Prabhupada's making a point. Uh, and he is quoting Viraragava Acharya or citing him uh, that this transfer was completely a heart-to-heart -heart relationship. And then he said, Srila Prabhupada defines initiation in this context as the process by which the guru transfers Krishna from his heart to the heart of his disciple. Now, I wanted to um, go to this part in the Bhagavatam with some of the commentary we have, well, we're showing lots of books these today, so I will also show uh, uh, this is translation by Gorapada and edited by Matsya Avatar. And these are devotees of, uh, they were uh, students of Gopi Paranadana Prabhu, and they're doing a series called. Uh, a symphony of commentaries on the 10th canto. And this is another thick book. And this one volume, this is volume one, co covers only chapters one through three of the 10th canto. Um, as you may know, the 10th canto has 90 chapters. So my calculation is uh, this series, if they complete it, is going to be 30 volumes. Um, and they've done four or five or six volumes so far, I think. Mm, so anyway. <clears throat> so we have uh, this discussion or this event is going on in Canto 10, Chapter 2. And uh, we have verse number 18. And I'll read uh, this translation. This is uh, Vas uh, Vasudev describing what Vasudev is doing. No, this is referring to the Lord as being transferred by um, Vasudev, the son of Shura. Anyway, it goes like this. Afterward, he who is auspicious for the world, so this is the Lord, who comprises everything, and who already existed in her, in Devaki, 
was meditatingly transferred by the son of Shura, this is Vasudeva. Just as the eastern direction harbors the moon or holds the moon, whose rays give bliss, so effulgent Devaki bore him an amsha of achuta in the heart. Okay, that's the translation, and then there's quite a bit of discussion from the commentators, especially about uh, what is meant by achuta angsha, and I won't go into that here, uh, but um, we get a footnote um, by the authors here, Let's see, this is a footnote to, hmm. oh yeah. Okay, so, so Sridhar Swami is giving this, this comment. He says, she who is effulgent, that is, the sense is, she is transcendentally existent. Uh, Devi, and then the Sanskrit Devi means Jyotamana, which means Shuddha Sattva. Uh, she, who is effulgent, sustained him who was completely placed, that is, by means of scriptural initiation. What? You may say. What a, what's going on here? Okay, so then we get a, a, a footnote. And the footnote says, Ganga Sahaya. And I have to confess, I don't know who is Ganga Sahaya, but he explains Sridhar Swami's statement as follows. Quote, At the time of initiation, the Guru instructs the disciple about meditation. Then the latter, that is the disciple, makes the form of the Lord which had just been explained, enter his own heart. Similarly, Vasudeva locked, he locked, he fixed his glance in Devagi's eyes. Hari, the Lord, who was passing over to Devaki, appeared in her womb through sight, through seeing. Uh, that's from the Anvitarta Prakashika. Uh, yeah, Hare Krishna, I found that interesting. So again, it's kind of underlining the idea that uh, this initiation, uh, this transfer, this appearance of the Lord is happening through Vasudeva to Devaki as a kind of initiation. And this detail about how the Guru practices initiation as uh, describing to the disciple the form of the Lord, and then the disciple takes that description and uh, draws it in to him or herself to worship, to meditate on. I found it quite interesting.
Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Having taken that little uh, side trip, um, we can continue. Well, there's more discussion on this subject of uh, the guru giving Krishna to the disciple. Um, then, mm, just as the guru or any other similarly empowered devotee can give Krishna, he can also give the Dhamma. Such great devotees, out of their desire to benefit others and by the power of the Dhamma within their hearts, sometimes manifest the Dhamma outside themselves. And then he gives the example of, he says, there is certainly no better example for us than our Srila Prabhupada, who, by his purity, created holy places the world over by establishing over 100 temples devoted to the worship of Krishna. And then Shivaramaraj uh, says something interesting. Um, so he says, Prabhupada sanctified everywhere, everywhere that he went. Uh, and that includes um, airport lounges. <laughs> if he would sit in an airport lounge for a few minutes, then he was sanctifying that place. Of course, lecture halls. Um, places that he visited and gave a lecture uh, some years ago. Uh, we were uh, told, I was in Oxford, and uh, we came to learn that Srila Prabhupada had visited Oxford and had given a lecture uh, in the city hall. Um, I don't know if the recording of that particular lecture is available. It would be interesting to find out. So we went to, um, to the City Hall of Oxford, which is a very beautiful building. It's a very elegant, older structure. And the hall in which Srila Prabhupada spoke is also very elegant. So it was a nice experience just to walk in and have the, uh, the thought that, oh, our Srila Prabhupada spoke uh, to people and uh, they had kirtan and people joined in the kirtan <laughs> in the hall uh, led by Srila Prabhupada, apparently. Um, so he's saying here, these places manifest themselves as tirtas but these are more, you know, brief tirtas. They're more, you can say, temporary tirtas. Um, well, how temporary or long-lasting they might be. If he's, he's mentioning the, the temples, and I like to remember, uh, I like when, whenever visiting Bhaktivedanta Manor, <clears throat> to visit Srila Prabhupada's quarters upstairs. Uh, there's a very nice feeling of sanctity, a feeling of his presence in, in that, um, well, it's two rooms, uh, the main room, and then there's a bedroom and a bathroom. 
Uh, it's a very special place for me and for many devotees. Uh, he mentions here Tompkins Square Park or Hippie Hill in San Francisco. <laughs> These are also places, of course, Tompkins Square Park. Uh, I'm sure you know this is one of two parks uh, in Lower East Side, Manhattan, uh, where Prabhupada would take the devotees and he would chant. And uh, the particular tree under which Srila Prabhupada chanted in Tompkins Square Park has a plaque, has a sign on it. This is the Hare Krishna tree. Uh, it now has that um, sort of permanent identity as a place of, as a tirtha, a place of pilgrimage. Hippie Hill, uh, this is one particular uh, portion uh, of uh, uh, this park in San Francisco called Golden Gate Park. Uh, the devotees used to go. There's, I remember one photo. They, the devotees took the deity of Lord Jagannath to this place <laughs> on the hill. And these, you know, young people, hippies at the time, you can say, uh, we were all sitting around and they made kirtan. After that, Srila Prabhupada said, mm, shouldn't take the deities out to the park. Uh, and then he refers to the many temples and farm communities. <clears throat> the presence of Srila Prabhupada, a Mahabhagavata devotee, not only purified the atmosphere of these places, but also established by Prabhupada's ardent, his strong desire, uh, true holy dhammas for the benefit of all those uh, who are fortunate enough to visit them. And then he calls attention to uh, Srila Prabhupada's desire to have Radha and Krishna in these temples. And of course, um, we understand by his desire, the Lord actually appears. Uh, and by his desire, the devotees continue the worship, um, not only in India, <laughs> uh, but uh, all over the world. Um, this was radical, and it was radical because it's generally understood uh, to worship the deity, you must be a Brahmin, and to be a Brahmin, you must be born in a Brahmin family. Uh, so Srila Prabhupada was breaking with that. Uh, even his own godbrothers were criticizing. <laughs> and they, they said, no, now you're going too far. Um, but then um, he did it anyway, and then devotees became um, Western devotees, took up the process, uh, accepted the, the values, the practice, came back to India uh, and uh, the devote, the people saw that, oh, this is something serious. Uh, some of Srila Prabhupada's godbrothers um, admitted uh, sometime later that they had made a mistake. They had not understood um, what Srila Prabhupada was doing. 
Um, okay, now I should check here in the chat and see if there's any questions. Oh, there's a longer... Ramandali. Uh, others are greeting. Thank you all for the greetings. Okay. Um, well, Mandali has written to me privately. Maybe I should check. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, okay, um, yeah, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> okay, I'll summarize the question. Uh, <laughs> or should I read, should I just read it? Uh, it's going back to the subject of mamata, transcendental mamata. And the, the question is, how do we distinguish, or how, what would be the particular characteristics of someone who has the sense of mamata in relation to a particular deity and who is a pujari of that deity? Um, and the, the context of the question is, um, what if a devotee is worshiping a deity in a sort of, um, in such a way that it might be argued, or maybe that devotee is saying, well, this is my feeling of mamata. <laughs> but uh, it's, it ends, the end result is that other devotees feel discouraged from serving that same deity. So this is a bit of what we might call a loaded question. <laughs> and I don't know the particular uh, circumstance there, but uh, I guess I can imagine. Um, uh, so how would it look? My understanding of Mamata transcendental mamata, just as we understand that Shimati Radharani is, uh, is wanting to engage everyone in the Lord's service. She's inviting everyone to engage in the Lord's service. Uh, the more the merrier. So my understanding is that uh, uh, the transcendental sense of mamata uh, would be such that it would be, in fact, opening more, uh, uh, giving, making more accessible the Lord to others. My Lord is so wonderful, I want everyone to worship Him. <laughs> because I want everyone to experience how wonderful He is. And the world doesn't appreciate my Lord, so I will urge everyone to worship my Lord so they can see how wonderful my Lord is. <laughs> uh, this would be uh, 
this would be my understanding. Uh, yes, Ananda Maya, you wanted to comment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh-oh, you're going to show that picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I wonder what Srila Prabhupada would have thought of this picture. <laughs> These cr crazy Westerners. <laughs> anyway, yes, that was, uh, those were... Those were amazing times. And yes, Suhotra Swami was uh, quite amazing. So, uh, so that's my, thank you. This, this was my understanding of transcendental mamata. Um, and I hope that's okay, but yeah. This was certainly Srila Prabhupada's mood. Um, he, he was installing Krishna, Radha and Krishna in all of these different places because he wanted, you know, he wanted the whole world to worship them. Um, that was his mood. So I think we want to aspire to follow his mood in that respect also. Now it could be, having said all that, I think that's uh, specifically in relation to uh, deities in public temples, uh, where someone has deities at home, there could, I would think, uh, be such a mood that um, one is having more of an exclusive attitude. I am, 
myself, my family, we worship Krishna here. Uh, these deities are not, we don't invite others to um, do particular services, although, you know, that could also be less than transcendental. Um, uh, one would think, one would like, uh, such a person would want to encourage people to come at least to have darshan, to join in sanghas and to sing for the deities. One would think Krishna would be happy with that. But um, everyone has different moods also. Some people, they want to be more um, more to themselves, more reclusive. And mm, I would be hesitant to... Um, to say negative things about that inclination. Right. Okay. So, uh, I guess we can continue. A few more minutes. Uh, Shivaram Swami next, he has a short section uh, dealing with this distinction of aprakata and prakata dhamma. Uh, in which the general point we can say is that all the manifest forms, prakata, are uh, understood to be uh, manifesting out of the aprakata dhamma, which means goloka dhamma, the place which we don't see in this world. Um, and... Uh, the emphasis is on the non-difference of the two. So, um, <clears throat> Goloka Vrindavan and its unmanifest pastimes are eternally going on without interruption. And yet, from our perspective, Krishna and his abode appear, his pastimes continue for some time before coming to an end. And then he and the Dhamma disappear. Srila Prabhupada emphasizes that this duality exists only for conditioned souls. But transcendentalists, even on earth, quote, are always in the spiritual world where the Lord's pastime, pastimes are constantly manifest to them. And uh, incidentally, we've just been reading short, short episodes being sent once a day. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, now it's excerpts from Hayagriva Prabhu uh, from his recollections of Srila Prabhupada in Vrindavan. And uh, he's telling, Hayagriva was a uh, professor of English, and he was quite a very good writer. And he, he wrote a book um, called Vrindavan Days about Srila Prabhupada's uh, time in Vrindavan in 1972. And there's one very funny incident he tells. I may tell that later. But um, he's describing... Srila Prabhupada's um, living at the Radha Damodar temple. And some of the devotees were staying there. 
Uh, and he, he writes in a beautiful way. Uh, generally, we, we say when we're teaching someone writing that you have to write complete sentences. Uh, and we get very, you know, school teachers are always telling their students, you have to write a complete sentence. But no, not always. If you're an expert writer, you know when you can just write incomplete sentences. And Hayagriva does that to very great effect. Um, and I don't have that passage with me, but it's very nicely done where he's describing the atmosphere in the night, uh, uh, sleeping on the roof of the temple, of the Radhadamadar temple, the different sights and sounds uh, that he's experiences. He's experiencing uh, the moon is there, the, uh, the breeze, and then gradually how, um, the, uh, how Brindavan wake, wakes up uh, the deities are awakened, uh, the temple is opened, and you suddenly you hear the uh, sound of the ladies coming to visit for Mangalarti, singing this ululululululu sound. <laughs> and he brings it all together in such a way that you really feel like you're there. And then Hayagriva is telling how Srila Prabhupada is giving his, his morning class, and in that class, he is making this uh, point that we've just read uh, about the non-difference of Vrindavan, um, Boma Vrindavan, and uh, the Aprakata Vrindavan of Goloka. And Hayagriva tells us, he says, this made me so disturbed. I was so disturbed by this that after the class, I immediately went in to Srila Prabhupada's room. He said, I sort of rushed in to be in front of others because so many were coming to see Srila Prabhupada. Uh, so he, he was the first one in. He offered obeisance and then, and then uh, he... He expressed his doubt to Srila Prabhupada uh, that how can we, how can you say that this Vrindavan is non-different from Goloka Dham? What do we see here? We see birth, old age, disease, and death. We see pigs in the streets. We see dogs. We see dirt. We see garbage, and so on. And Prabhupada was very stern, very, um, very non-compromising with him. He said, you don't see because you are not perfect. <laughs> you are not perfect, therefore you do not see. And he said, you want to see God, you are demanding, show me God, but who are you to see? <laughs> so in that way, he was saying, and then he went on to say, the dogs and the hogs, they are here because they are devotees, but they have been neglectful in their service, and therefore they had to take birth. They may have made some offense to the Holy Dham, and therefore uh, they are here and uh, making some final purification, and then they will go back to Goloka. <laughs> so, 
so so like that he was uh he was quite shocked so then um Shivaramaraj discusses this is another section called some characteristics common to all five manifestations of the Dhamma. Uh, and he gives, uh, let's see, one, two, three different characteristics. And then there's going to be another section, some distinguishing characteristics of the five Dhammas. Uh, so there are, there are things in common, and then there are things uh, that are distinct. Uh, so he goes again through each of the five um, types of Dhamma. Uh, and then he has a long section, quite long, about the difference between Boma Vrindavan and the Dhammas manifested outside Boma Vrindavan. And of course, all of this is leading up very gradually to what he wants to say about um, New Vrajadam, uh, which is going to be the main sort of object or topic of his eight-volume book. Now, how it is to be understood that this place in, you know, southwestern Hungary can be considered non-different from the Dhamma. So what he's going to say basically is this is all by the empowerment of Śrīla Prabhupāda. It's by his desire. He said, we are not making any claim to being specially qualified because someone may anticipate Shivaram Swami may be saying, well, now it's me. He's saying, no, it's not me. It's Śrīla Prabhupāda who is making this place sanctified, and we are simply serving. So, uh, oh, um, before I forget, yeah, I'll just uh, read maybe one paragraph of this, and then I wanted to end with a very nice prayer by Srila Raghunathas Goswami. So, the first uh, common characteristic, he says, Though the prakarta and aprakarta dhamma display significant differences, which he will discuss later, they also display one fundamental similarity. The former, that is prakarta, is a replica of the latter. The word replica uh, means something like copy. It's like a perfect copy. <laughs> Whether in the spiritual sky or on earth, Sri Vrindavan Dham perpetually, that means always, displays the same alluring form, that means attractive form, and divine qualities being eternally situated in transcendence. Goloka or Gokula, Prakarta or Aprakarta, Krishna is forever performing his pastimes there. 
We should never mistake Boma Vrindavan to be a part of this material world. The Upanishads state, quote, the Vrindavan of this earth planet is actually situated in the spiritual sky, unquote. Unfortunately, he does not give a reference for that. He generally gives it references when he quotes, but here he is not, so I don't know uh, which Upanishad that is. Uh, perhaps it's, uh, yeah, the, uh, what is it called? Tapaniya Upanishad. <clears throat> so then, Boma Vrindavan is the spiritual world without question. Yeah, and this is, of course, what Srila Prabhupada was in, uh, insisting, and, uh, and he insisted that in order to see that, we have to be perfect. <laughs> what does it mean to be perfect? Uh, well, it starts with hearing from uh, the perfect acharyas. That, is, that in itself is perfection. And we can say that uh, that perfection, uh, because that hearing is already going on, the perfection is already started. And so at least a significant degree of perfection must already be there in the fact that we take it as possible to... Uh, ourselves to have that perfection, it's possible to have that vision of Vrindavan. Well, uh, continuing with the theme of Dhamma Sevana, I may have mentioned that one type of Dhamma Sevana is to long for the Holy Dham, to long to visit or to reside in the Holy Dham. Srila Raghunath Das Goswami has written ten prayers begging the Lord, begging Govardhan for residence in his proximity. So he's addressing Govardhan as a person, as um, as the Lord or as the best of devotees of the Lord. And so he says in the first verse, I'll read the Sanskrit because it's very charming. Nijapati bujadanda chatrabhavam prabhadya pratihatamadadrishto tantadevendragarva Atula Pritula Shaila Shrenibupa Priyangme Nijanikata Nivasam Dehi Govardhanantang O Govardhan, please bestow upon me the privilege of living close to you. This is a nice translation. It's, uh, it's by uh, Dasharat Sutta Prabhu a god-brother of mine whom I've never 
had the good fortune to meet yet. Um, <clears throat> oh, Govardhan, please bestow upon me the privilege of living close to you by the banks of Sri Radha Kunda. This is my most dearly cherished desire. I want to be near you because of your matchless and unparalleled glories. You assume the form of an umbrella and balanced yourself atop the umbrella stem of Sri Krishna's arm. And thus, you completely pulverized, which means made into powder, the false ego of Lord Indra, the king of the demigods, who had become intoxicated by arrogant pride. And you are also known to be the foremost king amongst all the multitudes of hills. Hmm. <clears throat> so, Atula Pritula Shaila Shreni Bhupa, the Lord uh, or the best or the king, Bhupa, protector, protector of the earth, Bhupa, you're the protector of the, uh, you're the king of the Shaila Shreni, the, the series of, of hills or mountains, um, which is incomparable, Atula, um, Pritula, uh, of the earth, I suppose that means. Um, and so the, the prayers continue like that, um, requesting Nija Nikasa Nivasam Dehi, uh, give to me Dehi, um, a nivasa, a residence, which is a nikata nearby to nija, to yourself, Govardhan. So that's one form of uh, dhamma seva. Um, anyone would like to reside near to Govardhan? You're a little hesitant because you're thinking, oh, I don't know, it's very difficult. Um, climate in Govardhan. Kavi yes, go ahead. Ah, yes, why not? <laughs> yes, Govardhan is very merciful. He makes himself portable. So, um, yeah, anything more? I guess we can end, end there for today. Uh, and we got an, a strong yes from Katyayani. She wants to live near Govardhan. I think Kavi, I think Kavi Chandra also said yes. And 
Usha Madhiji is also saying yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have this ISKCON residence uh, just next to Govardhan, but it's uh, it's for the gents only. <laughs> it's an ashram, kind of a brahmachari ashram. Um, it was... Uh, it was a summer, I don't know if it was for the summer or if it was for some other season. Some uh, some prince or king had this place as a residence and it went up for sale. Um, yeah, that was 30 years ago. No, wait, uh, not, yeah, maybe around 30 years ago. And then uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami arranged for it to be purchased. And then they made a major renovation. And it's a wonderful place. Uh, you can sit on the roof uh, and you have a, a panoramic view of uh, Govardhan Hill from, from the roof. You can, you can chant there. Mamata Mai wants to go to Radhakund, wants to stay at Radhakund. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I heard that, uh, like, in Dham, Vrindavan Dham, generally, like, from any pious activity, it multiplies, and even uh, any kind of sinful activity, it multiplies. So uh, how careful should be, like, uh, is it um, good for... Uh, devotees who are just like uh, us, like me, not us, myself, we're really staying in Vrindavan, uh, unless we are very pure? Um, Srila Prabhupada encouraged devotees to stay and do service. If one is, uh, he always emphasized service in all, re you know, for anywhere and everywhere, anytime. Uh, so he Obviously, he wanted uh, devotees, and he wanted Western devotees also, uh, to stay in Vrindavan to do service. Um, otherwise, Krishna Balaram Mandir, he wouldn't have had it built. Uh, so if the understanding, if we have that understanding, then I would say it is quite all right. And otherwise, yes, then it can be, um, one has to be very careful. Um, in any case, devotees are careful. Um, but, um, you know, the, these people who are just coming, like nowadays, now they're building so many flats all over um, Rindavan, Mathura area. And uh, as the middle class of India uh, becomes more prominent. They're looking for places um, as second homes and a sort of logical place for uh, people in the Delhi, greater Delhi area is to have a place in Vrindavan. And that's, that's nice. Um, wh whether most people who come to Vrindavan to stay whether they have that understanding that, okay, now I'm in the Holy Dham, I need to 
uh, do some proper service here. I don't know if those people, so many of those people have. I, I wonder about that. Um, in contrast, we understand uh, Navadvitam, Mayapur Navadvitam is, you know, it's like all merciful. Uh, you can just sleep in Vrinda, in Mayapur and and get benefit like you're doing Dandavat <laughs> Parikrama and so on. <laughs> we get these kind of <clears throat> Mahatmyas. Um, but there is, uh, I understand, there's this contrast. We want to be careful. Uh, we should be careful also in Mayapur Navadvitam. We should be careful everywhere. Um, but it's especially especially in Vrindavan. Okay, we're going a little over our time. So what to say except thank you all so much for your kind uh, participation, taking this time. Um, and uh, yes, all the best for this next week. Um, there's so many things going on. You can take part in connected with uh, ISKCON activities. There's a there's this reading week thing. Maybe it's over now, but um, there's what Kirtan week coming up. I can't keep track anymore. There's I think from the 17th to the 23rd. There's Kirtan uh, Mela or something. Um, and, uh, and of course, does anyone know the date, uh, the beginning of the month of Kartik? First of November. Okay. Okay, somehow I thought it was earlier, but whatever. So you can start thinking about that, uh, what to do special, especially uh, during Kartik. Maybe we should do something this um, in the Saturday Sangha. I guess uh, I can take suggestions for what to do during this time. And otherwise, I'll say thank you all very much. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Anantakoti Vaishnava Vrinda ki jai. Sri Vrindavan Dhamma ki jai. Sri Sri Radha Shyama Sundara ki jai. Gora Premanande. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.